0: I wish I knew how to quit
1: you. Why don't you? This is Codependent Content, a podcast where my partner and I discuss the TV shows, movies, and video games in which we've formed an unhealthy relationship. My name is Matthias, and my co host is Shannon Riley. Join us each week as we try to make sense of the media we continually give our hearts against our better judgment. And commiserate with us as we struggle and fail to let go of the characters, stories, and worlds that we are entangled with. Because just when we think we're done with content, it draws us back in. Wait. Mm -hmm. That's your note. That's your note. Mm -hmm. Mm Okay, now sing.
0: Hi, my name is Shannon, and this week we'll be doing Star Trek mm, Subspace Rhapsody.
1: Good job. Thanks. Good job, Shannon. <laughs> That's the introduction we needed. Oh fuck. <laughs> you know, you can
0: I could've I could've meandered off that note. You know what, guys? This is our musical episode as well, so I'm just getting started.
1: Just wait till she has feelings. You're
0: you heard it here. Also, he whipped that harmonica literally out of nowhere. I don't
1: know where he pulled that from. I did not see it in our prep. Is that a harmonica in your pocket or? He's just happy to get I get it. You get it. Okay. Welcome to codependent, codependent content. Enunciate, Matthias. Have you learned nothing from your years in choir? <laughs> um, my name is Matthias and I am with Shannon Grace Riley. Yep. Um, uh, he forgot my name. (laughs) And we are here to talk about Star Trek, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody, the musical episode, and also our pentultimate episode. Yeah, Shannon. Yep of of uh, this season of Star Trek. That would be season two, and yeah. Uh, It's been a, a wild ride, Shannon, Truly. to say the least.
0: <laughs> From start um, to penultimate.
1: And uh, yeah, last week we had a very interesting episode because we had to fit two in at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, one very comedic, fun episode and one very uh, dour, um, traumatic-filled episode. Do you have, is there anything... You want to say about last week that we missed or that you heard about or anything that we should uh, uh, bring up
0: I think I covered all my Star Trek bases during our episode mm-hmm. do you do you have anything new you want to touch on
1: no not really okay. I haven't I haven't heard anything I haven't gotten much much feedback uh, on that one but it has been again it's a whole lot of content to catch up with <laughs> yeah so understandable for sure. but yeah um and uh, here we are. So we have we are doing our, as we said, penultimate episode. If you're new to the podcast, we talk about the shows, the movies, video games, the things that we love, uh, and we spoil everything uh, be- from the get-go. So if you haven't seen this episode, and particularly if you haven't seen anything else that we are uh, talking about, uh, especially if we talk about anything before we get to our main Uh, I guess, review, Mm -hmm. uh, then we might spoil things there. We try and keep it spoiler free before we get to the main discussion. But for the most part, we just assume that you've maybe seen things or maybe skip to the part that you have seen. uh, If you're ready to be spoiled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shannon, I'm curious. Is there anything that you've been uh, reading, watching, uh, consuming this past week that you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, I just started the sixth book of the Red Rising series, Lightbringer. Very exciting. Um, that's a book, if y'all don't know, that Matias got me into a couple years ago. And uh, I'm very excited to see where darrow has gone. I'm only about 100 pages in, but already it's, you know, it's like it sucks me right back into the world. I feel like I haven't really left Um so yeah, that's going really well. I finished lower decks officially, so I'm all caught up and ready to watch the newest season when it drops in September. And I started the first episode of Discovery. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna continue forward and get on the Discovery bandwagon. Sure.
1: I wish you would give me a at least a pause before moving on to the other things because
0: <laughs> it's just those <laughs> so three. <we> can,
1: like, <laughs> uh uh so the sixth book Uh, Going back to uh, the Red Rising series, Lightbringer, Mm -hmm. sixth book. The secret sixth book, technically, because it was supposed to be, what, the final in another trilogy, right? And then it was announced that it is actually just going to be the sixth and there will be a seventh book. Yeah. Correct? Right. So it's actually a quadrilogy. We have two trilogies now being one trilogy, one quadrilogy, you know? Yeah. Um, cause there's a big time jump in between them. Uh, if you're not on the series, but you're really, really into sci-fi, um, I suggest checking this out. Maybe a little bit of sci-fi fantasy, maybe a little bit of g- Greek mythology too. I don't know if you, if, if that, I don't know that, that, that makes sense when you read it though. I don't know that it like follows the structure of Greek mythologies right. in that sense. Um, but you'll, you'll understand pretty quickly what that means, but if you're into I don't uh what would you compare this to now the first book is very
0: I would say interesting
1: because the, the first book is very Hunger Games. The
0: first book is like sci-fi hunger games. Yes. And then the remaining books are like Space Odyssey.
1: Straight sci fi. Like dead ass. Just, yeah. Just goes uh um right into just uh operatic kind of expansive now it's within one solar system, mm-hmm. you know, which is, uh, cool. If that, if that helps limit, cause there's not, we don't have like, I guess terms like we have for fantasy, like high fantasy, low fantasy, you know, um, mid fantasy kind of like different things, you know, mm-hmm. that we have for sci-fi that I'm aware of. Maybe someone out there can, uh, explain to us the, the elements of sci-fi that I'm missing here. But, <laughs> um, that is just, uh, one thing to um, keep in mind is like if solar system helps ground you as opposed to like galaxy spanning, mm-hmm. you know, that's a different kind of sci fi as, as opposed to like a like just a futuristic sci fi, which is planet dwelling. So this is solar system, you know, um, where you, you go from like a kind of a, a Hunger Games esque, very contained world to now you've branched out in the future books to you're having space battles. And I almost feel like that's a spoiler in essence, but you'll forget about it by the time you get there. Absolutely. That was a big surprise to me and uh, a very good way of like setting apart this series from like anything else I've ever read. Yeah. So I
0: think for me, a good grounding point, if that doesn't make sense to your brain is like book one takes place for lack of a better term, at the Institute and then books two, three, four, five, six, like you're a human in the world as it exists. So as you were saying, book one is more contained, which is why you get that Hunger Games vibe. And it's really good. And I don't want people to be dissuaded from reading it by feeling that they're going to have to kind of switch tracks between books one and two, because even though there is a difference there. Like the tone is the same. The characters are the same and you can fall right into step, even though now we're in the full world instead of in just like the small sliver of it. So don't let that dissuade you that books one and two are a little bit different, but uh, yeah, y'all, if you like sci-fi, this is, this is a book for you. I told Matias when he recommended it to me that like, there hadn't been a book series that I was this excited to consume. I think probably like since the hunger Games, since Harry Potter, like, those are series that I fell deeply in love with. And this is something like I got the first book. I read it in a day. I got the second book. I read it in two days. Third book, read it in a day. Like you just want to spend time with these characters. The writing is spectacular. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Go give it a try if you're a sci-fi nerd.
1: No, for sure. And then you said you were watching more Star Trek stuff. So we've already talked at yeah. length about Star Trek. That's what we're talking about today. Um. Yeah, and I don't think there's really been much else. Did we talk about Barbie last time? Were we supposed to? How long has it we been since seen we watched? We hadn't seen Barbie. Yeah, have we seen Barbie now? Is that since we, we have we seen Barbie now, yes. <laughs> um. I can't remember when we did a, a podcast and when we watched Barbie. What was that last?
0: So we podcast on Friday, but we saw it on Sunday.
1: Has so it, It's been... I feel like it's been longer. I do too. Like, like, what is, uh, (laughs) did we talk about this already? We didn't talk about anything because last week. So even so we are catching up. So, um, Barbie, we watched and, uh, what did you think? What's your, uh, little review of Barbie Shannon?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: That doesn't say anything.
0: Oh my goodness. I, the longer I think about Barbie, the more I like it. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, I had a great time in the theater does that happen to you guys? Like the longer you think about something or you just keep thinking about like, oh, that was actually really cool. or Like, oh, this keeps making me think about something like deeper and deeper and deeper. I love things that sit with me and then like fester and grow and don't just leave me when I walk out of the theater because there's lots of content that, like that. You just mm-hmm. kind of like digest and forget about. No,
1: sure. I'm just joking.
0: This one mm-hmm. lingers. So part of what makes Barbie great for me is... Um, how just like what a cultural phenomenon it is right now, even with Barbenheimer, we haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. Um, but the fact that just everyone wanted to be here, wanted to be a part of it. We had people dressed in pink saying hi, Barbie in the bathrooms like it's so much fun to be a part of something like that. And I. this is the second Harry Potter reference I have, but that's the last time I went to a movie theater like dressed up for an occasion. It was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two in 2012. I went dressed as a Ravenclaw student and like everyone in the theater was there for that environment. So to be now almost 30 kind of doing the same thing with a Barbie movie uh, really had me floored. I loved that it can be taken as just like this fun kind of fever dream with really attractive, really likable, funny characters. And it can also be kind of dark and it, it, encourages empathy and it encourages communication and it encourages like seeing other people's points of view. Yeah. I, I honestly, I thought it was a delight. I had a great time. And, uh, I forget what's America Ferrera's human name. I don't remember, but her monologue, uh, slays me and the more i think about it the more i'm like yeah being a woman is weird
1: which one which one is which <laughs> monologue is better is it that one or is it the one in little Women with social and where she's you know you
0: know what i haven't seen little women yet i'd like to it's on my list i know guys i'm, I'm making my way through
1: movies but and here i thought she was a uh, content connoisseur I know
0: I know I've, I've let you down
1: she wanted to go to the theater to support Greta Gerwig yet she hasn't seen <laughs> a Greta Gerwig movie I also Shannon? haven't seen
0: Lady Bird and that's on my list too so, so.
1: nope we we don't know what's going on here so. uh, but I
0: just but I you know I went into Barbie expecting like a full-scale intersectional like feminist manifesto because of the way that some people were reviewing dash bombing this movie and I think it's actually incredibly straightforward. It's palatable. It's just a big lesson in empathy. Um, it's it's putting yourself into a position that you're usually not in and understanding the complexities of that. So there's a lot of beauty in that. Also, I am part of the problem. I've been listening to I'm Just Ken like just on repeat three or four times a couple every like every couple days I come back to it in the kitchen last night.
1: I was singing it and matthias was like, what problem is that? What when you part of the problem?
0: I um, OK, well, it's not a problem. But on TikTok, I'm seeing I'm getting delivered some messages that are like the movie Barbie is about women. And then the trending sounds are like women talking about their boyfriends. So it's like this is Ken. His job is editing. And it would be like me showing a picture of Matias editing, I guess. And not that there's a problem with that. And that's where the conversation of like what true feminism is inclusion comes in. But ultimately, uh, it makes me think of even a space that is meant for women. We are making space for men in it, which I think is great. But if the roles were reversed, I do not necessarily feel that that would be truth, that men would be like, oh, and here's how we make space for women in this like male dominated thing. Um, Which is fine. So yeah, I'm just noticing people that are like, hey, this movie is about Barbie and it's cool that we are supporting Ken, but you know, it's, it's people wanting to be like, well, I'm Barbie and my job is pet sitter. I don't know. I don't know why I picked pet sitter, but it's like, it's shifting the focus back to like Barbie being about Barbie and not Barbie being about her Ken, um, but again, meanwhile, I'm like watching all those TikToks and streaming the Ken song because it slaps, and also Ken is a great character. So, see what I mean? Complexities. Like it really, we could sit here and have a whole conversation right now about feminism, just sparked by that stupid little comment I just made. Of, yeah,
1: I heard you wrote a whole twenty-page essay about Barbie, and, and is that it? Yep. Is that you're not your nose know, from Star Trek. It says she wrote a whole thing about Barbie. Um, but she refuses to put it anywhere. It's all finished. Uh, though we can, <laughs> she's still, her dissertation is still ongoing. Do you need to go to get your master's to finish this thesis?
0: I, this Barbie needs a master's for me to publish this. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I can, if you ever wanted to, we can talk about this in length. But I think I'll wait until I can polish this into a blog esque post and I'll post it somewhere if you guys want to read about well, it. Well, if you're but. interested
1: in hearing her thoughts, you can go bother her on Discord. <laughs> And uh or on Instagram or TikTok and, and force her to release those thoughts. Or just have those conversations on our Discord where we record this every week on uh at the Vulgarian Order. Um live. We do more things there too, not just codependent content. Um and I say that and then I get busy with work and then I don't do anything there. Um but it is somewhat alive.
0: <laughs> no, it's alive. My favorite feature on our channel right now is the tree function. Our group is currently e-watering a tree and catching bugs and catching fruit, and it genuinely spikes my serotonin when we do it. Um, regardless of that, Matthias, any brief thoughts on the Barbie movie before you
1: move forward? I am Knuff. That's it. Oh, that's not. I am anything just to
0: say. Where else I'd be a ten?
1: What would I have to say about? Women.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, actually, is that, (laughs) is that where you want to, is that where you want to end it? I love you are enough, and that's good enough for me, but
1: okay. That's, that's, that's all I got out of the movie.
0: (laughs) Ryan Gosling is the perfect, perfect, perfect Ken. I was reading an interview where like, we all know we've seen the videos of him as a child, like just shining his absolute light, dancing, singing, like being this big ball of energy. And he was saying that for a, a portion of his adult life, he kind of buried that and kind of hated that and felt uncomfortable by it. And that the Barbie movie almost allowed him to like reheal that part of himself and re-engage with that child part of himself that really did just have like love and enthusiasm without boundaries or shame or insecurity. And I think that's really cool. And I hope that men and young boys, uh, if they go see the movie kind of connect to that as well, because I think there's a lot of power in that, that we can have someone like Ryan Gosling. I love a song and dance man, apparently, but yeah, it's great that, you know, you can be, you can be so many different things without shame and without embarrassment. So Ryan Gosling, if you're listening to this, I love you.
1: Yep. (laughs) He's definitely <laughs> sitting in front of his keyboard right now, listening to two Ryan Gosling two randos the talk chat. about Star Trek. Why don't we get into our review of Star Trek, okay. Strange New World, Subspace Rhapsody. Huh, Shannon? <laughs> okay,
0: that's fine. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, now, you mentioned before we started this that you wanted to discuss other musical episodes in television. Is that something you want to open with or do you want to end with something? Why
1: like don't that? you just talk to me about it then? I don't like what do
0: you... I don't know where we want to start. We've got Loreloft. we've got we've got spaces where we like for things to be. Um I don't I don't think I have as much of an opinion on musical episodes as you do, but I do know that this is the first musical episode in Star Trek history.
1: That can't be true. No, because I could have sworn I saw an article about something in Voyager.
0: Voyager wanted to do a Klingon opera and they were denied multiple times. Um, Also, Picard almost had a musical episode, but uh, apparently one of the writers or directors or someone knows Lin-Manuel Miranda. So when they were all talking, they were like, oh my God, we should do a musical episode. He was like... I know Lim Manuel Miranda, I'll text him and then a couple of days he was like yeah, he just never got back to me. So, wow, way to way to ghost uh, the Star Trek writers, Lim Manuel. If you're listening to this, how dare you?
1: Not a real nerd, not a real Trekkie. Huh? Not a
0: real Trekkie. Yes. And I'm going to say it, I'm almost kind of glad because I'm I think Lim Manuel Miranda has done a lot of cool things for the musical theater scene, but also I'm a little oversaturated with his content and I'm kind of glad he didn't have his hands on this. Respectfully, like I'm, I'm just glad we got to work with different songwriters because I, I don't want this to have a Lin Manuel Miranda vibe. I don't want it to have a Lin Manuel Miranda cameo. Like, I'm good. So
1: he would have been a Klingon though if he was gonna, you know.
0: Yeah, maybe probably. a cameo.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was more curious about this being uh, a musical episode. I feel like we've had a string of musical episodes within other series um most recently i'm thinking of like the magicians which started they did a musical episode in their first season i believe or was it second season and then kept on doing more musical episodes they then they had to keep returning to that mm-hmm. and of course we're talking about shows that aren't musicals right so obviously we had glee and like smash which are musical shows and then um uh other uh Shows may have had like musical elements. I re- I'm thinking of like How I Met Your Mother had like a musical, mm-hmm. um like because like uh, Neil Patrick Harris is a Tony Award winner. So that was for the like 100th episode. Right. right? Um, but that was that didn't happen, you know. Right. Whereas now we're having things where these episodes are actually happening. And I think Magicians is the, it, to, to me, is like the earliest start of it. You know, is that do we have a?
0: I have great news for you, Matias. Sure. Um, when you first asked me about what musical episodes I had in mind, I was thinking of like the Community one, the Scrubs one, and the Sight one. I was, gonna, I was one. trying to
1: think, remember if Community had a musical episode because I know Community.
0: It was a holiday one, I think.
1: Community did a whole. Oh, that's right. They did a Christmas episode, which ends up usually sometimes being a musical. So that makes sense. So because I because I, I was thinking specifically of Community, how they um did their well, first off, they did a lot of genre bending things within their episodes. And then the last like Pent Ultimate episode, or maybe the finale actually, always was the paintball kind mm. of like action episode, which is where the Russo brothers like got their start before they went and did Marvel things. Crazy. Um and so that was an ongoing thing where next season they had to do that again and then next season. So, you know, mm-hmm. so um so uh uh that came to mind but it wasn't musically yeah inclined whereas like again magicians start you know so yeah go ahead
0: so henry alonzo myers is the showrunner of strange new worlds and Mm -hmm. he worked on the musical episode of the magicians which is not something i knew until i looked it up but when i look at um apparently people smarter than me consider uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer the episode Once More With Feeling I was going to
1: ask about yeah 22
0: years ago they say set the blueprint print for musical episodes because it's the first episode that it happens canonically Yeah the singing happens in real time.
1: For some reason, I knew something was going, like Buffy was going to come up. I didn't know why, where. I was like, I have a feeling that Buffy's going to come up. Maybe that's because I remember like Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog and, mm. and Joss Whedon being like the arbiter of that. Um And I we seem to be in like a renaissance of musical things. I haven't seen any of the new stuff, but I know there's like, uh, what uh was it Once Upon a Time? Or there's like a... Had a j- bunch of musical you know? episodes. And then there's yeah. like a... um. M- ex-girlfriend whatever um oh my, i know what you're talking about my crazy ex-girlfriend is like a musical kind of thing and there's yeah. another show too that i'm like not aware of you mm-hmm. know so um yeah this feels like kind of like of the moment uh
0: even something like schmigadoon like a full scale oh, right yeah musical now, again show. those are like
1: specifically like musicals you it's know but cool. there's like this weird interesting like resurgence of things yeah you know um and i love this idea of just like embarking on a musical episode for, like, one, like, uh, one part of, like, the season, you know, every Mm -hmm. now and then as opposed to making it, like, a whole thing. That said, how do you feel this works in context of Star Trek? I know Star Trek is some of your favorite things. I know musicals are are, some of your favorite things. How do you feel like this mashes up together?
0: Confusingly, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I have to applaud big swings for strange new worlds to only have 10 episodes and to cover such a wide variety of things, a court drama, like a comedy of errors with Spock. We've got trauma. We've got musical theater. Like it's, it's amazing for them to kind of run that gambit and still try to keep it grounded as grounded as possible. Um, The reason something like this works for me is number one, because I already love musical theater and I love like the, the premise of the show is the premise of musical theater that sometimes feelings are so big, like you have to sing and dance about them. Like you're literally drawn to movement as a way of expressing yourself. So what a fun, quirky thing to throw into like a subspace rift. Um, and the, the dichotomy of the, the seriousness of Star Trek, even though I know it, it's a little goofy, paired with... The frivolity of musicality, I think, again, they did a great job because all the characters are in on the fact that it's like insane that this is happening, which I also think is how it works. It also leans a little bit into like nice try campy energy for me, which I also think works because if this is happening in reality to the crew and it's off this like playbook of what musical theater is, they would all kind of be a little campy about it. Um, that being said, I was sort of wondering if this would become my favorite episode because I do love both of those things. And I have to say that it's not, um, it's not necessarily a miss, but I'm, I wasn't as enamored with this episode as I was say like the crossover with Lower Decks. um, And I'm not I'm not quite sure why it's not to the detriment of like the cast or the writing or anything. It's just like I can applaud it for what it is, but it wasn't necessarily my favorite.
1: Yeah, I think there's something interesting about it coming as the penultimate episode of the season where it feels like this would have been welcome. Kind of like the Lower Decks where it comes where it comes like in the middle of the season as as, like a weird conundrum that they have to get through, you Mm -hmm. know, and this like message of unity and stuff like that but at the same time penultimate episodes even in a kind of like a serialized show like this or whatever where it's like I don't even know if I'm using that correctly but where you know it's, it's kind of like a, a, a problem of the week kind of episode you know a, a show like even then you kind of at least start ramping up like what are all the conflicts we've been dealing with like all season and how do we like come together and it felt like the musical part was an idea. And then I was like, Oh, but it also has to do these things. And that ended up falling flat because I don't necessarily think the musical episode was the best way to present the, those conflicts mm-hmm. or to, I guess, wrap them up up or whatever. Um, um, I mean, that said, it was like a a fun episode. Yeah, I I feel like we're towing the line between like, oh, how do we do like a fun thing? I love musical episodes. I think they were great. Again, I loved them in Magicians. That was like a favorite event to like look forward to like every year, you know? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we get another chance to do this again. We're going to have to return to the subspace fold, you know? yeah, Like next season or or in two seasons or something, it's going to happen again. Um, But That said, I don't know that this was um, just didn't like hit me as as much as I thought like it was going to. Yeah. With the other ones, Um, I
0: thought I was gonna cry because I'm a big crier over. It felt like
1: again towing that line between let's we we really want to showcase the talent of our actors. You know, they're not just actors; they can do like all things, which is like a fun thing to showcase. Mm -hmm. But then they're all like really good at this you know and then uh, that kind of came first before uh, um, the actual like writing of the episode you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, in that sense so we didn't I was like I like I like both <laughs> uh, but we're I'm not finding the balance there yeah. you know
0: I also fear that personally I'm not taking the stakes as seriously as I should be because we know, uh, number one, because they tell us, like, songs are driven by extreme emotional reactions. So when these people are singing, it's because they feel deeply and honestly about what they're vocalizing. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if the juxtaposition between some of the songs and, and what's actually being felt Landed for me. It felt more like, again, you're kind of along for the fun musical ride, the zany. How are they going to fix this energy? Meanwhile, like mm-hmm. Spock's talking about being dumped. Chapel's talking about being free. Laon's talking about being like closed off and afraid. We're all t- we're talking about very serious things. But I'm not sure that I was taking it as seriously through the song. Yeah, unfortunately. And they, they were all
1: things that were tied to other people as mm-hmm. well. And I felt like we we kept, I guess, messing with this and checking in with this throughout the season, you know. And, like, obviously seeing was like, oh, there's, like, this relationship and this relationship and these things that we're dealing with. But then I didn't realize that was what the whole season was basically going to be about, you know. Whenever Mm -hmm. you come up and you wrap it all up in one piece, like, it ends up just being about, like, these core relationships with other people and how are you like navigating those things, you mm-hmm. know? So you got like two people that maybe want, lo- I, everyone, I guess is just wanting some sort of love and then like not being able to get it for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And that's an excuse to like sing about your feelings, you mm-hmm. know? So you get the, in maybe kind of one off with like Yohora um, doing the, uh, solo, um, about just being alone kind Mm -hmm. of situation and then of course um uh number one i guess getting like a song that was more about her um just like giving advice you know Mm -hmm. um and and passing on her knowledge and everything um and those didn't really have anything to do with like some other relationship per se you Mm know uh but Beyond that, everyone else like it was t- it had to be tied to like someone else, you yeah. know, and which is really interesting. I was like, okay, so if this is the thesis of this, the songs and this sh- show and this season, like, what are we, what are we getting out of that? You yeah. know, what's this message? What do, do you have any yeah thoughts or ideas about what that I was do supposed have, to be? I
0: have some thoughts. Okay, um, for me, Star Trek is always about community, and I think that's why episodic it's episodic nature works because this crew's just on adventures together. But ultimately you're not just here because they're doing some zany adventure of the week. You're here because you care about the characters somehow. And the fact that even with the horror, right, she's singing about, am I, am I at my best alone? No, I'm at my best when I'm, I'm helping people connect, including connect to me. So everyone, whether it's singing about like an interpersonal relationship Or a wider sense of community. Like, that's what everyone's looking for when they join Starfleet is that connectivity. So, I like that energy because it also reminds the crew. Like, the crew is cool because it's the whole crew. You don't watch Star Trek because you only like Kirk, you watch Star Trek because you like. Kirk and Spock and Johor and Sulu you know what I mean like they all work together in tandem so I like that even in their songs and the things that they're dealing with personally have to do with how their crew life affects them because the community is the most important part of their like mission I think Um, yeah I don't know I really I really don't have a I don't have too much of an issue with that I thought the little waltz with number one and Kirk was cute where she's like, Hey, if you're gonna be captain, guess what you gotta learn how to do? Connect to other people. And that was like just a light that was like one of the first songs we got. And even that is about like, hey, how do we take time to connect and actually build something that lasts? Um Yeah, and Laon too. She's not singing necessarily directly about Kirk, but yeah, yes, she is. She has the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's like, Oh, I can't open up. I can't do this. She's talking about herself, but it's through the lens of like failed relationships and failed moments of connectivity. And we're using it through the lens of Kirk, but obviously there's so much more history there too. Um, yeah. It's always about, it's always about those interpersonal relationships.
1: I yeah, like but it. they're, like, romantic relationships. We're not just talking about, like, relationships in general. Like, obviously, like, everyone needs, like, community and, like, a connection with, like, other people. But this mm-hmm. is very specifically about the romantic relationships. We have Pike and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. We have Spock and Chapel. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Laon and Kirk. And yeah. then, like...
0: Uh, and then your horror is community. Number one is community. And yeah, that's it,
1: it? Yeah, like, there's that. Like, I know Chapel is talking about being free and stuff at the end of the day. She's like, it's brought on by the idea that like, it's like free from her relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, it like, okay. So this is a show about like exploration and, uh, you know, and community and whatever it else. Star Trek is supposed to be about. Is it about what every, um, you know, other network shows about which is just like romantic relationships and like, and I guess office drama kind of situation, sure. you know? Yeah, so, um, and I felt like in a musical episode that like could have said like so many things, like, yeah, it's hard because like musicals do end up being like about that. Like, mm-hmm. your favorite musicals are about love, we're talking about like West Side Story or like Greece or whatever, you know, like yeah. that about that, but. Star Trek is about more than that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I would think that from what I gather, like Star Trek is least about, you know, those. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah 100%. <laughs> like,
1: uh, uh, so to kind of make this again, if this is coming like in the middle of the season and not be like kind of the overarching thing, like I'm still trying to figure out like what this season because, again, every time we bring up something with each episode, it kind of gets dismissed. Right. You know, we don't ever, we don't tackle it again, you mm-hmm. know. And, like, things are moving forward, but they're kind of moving forward despite what our cast is doing, you know. And uh, we I just, what is this season supposed to be about? I'm like, oh, okay, so it's about broken relationships, I guess. Yeah. Well, so. touching
0: on something you said a couple minutes ago, the idea that, um, we we use this to kind of recall and either start to wrap up or or show where the exit is going to be for some of these interpersonal problems. Uh, considering Spock and and Battelle. Um that's I again. I'm wondering if it's a little bit plot devicey because as I've told you in the Lore Loft, and we've been explaining a couple episodes through with Nurse Chapel, like. She's just kind of on a residency here right now and she has other things to do. So like this episode brings that to a head. And then I have a But we just started.
1: Then we just we just started this relationship between her and Spock. Right. And like now it's like already ending. I'm like, "What was the, what was the point? Personally, it's like, did we need the whole episode of him doing the to bring like, meet the parents, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then break up and make this a huge, big deal only for like two episodes later, basically, to just kind of <laughs> be like, oh, okay, they're Never mind. not a thing anymore. So, like, why go on that journey? I yeah. guess. Did I, I didn't even feel like I was on the journey because like everything about the relationship happened off screen. Right. I could <laughs> so. have, I could
0: have spent more time. Um, and we can, we can talk about this a little bit later, but. Because I'm very interested to see where Nurse Chapel's character is going, and I hope it's going uh, quickly and with a sense of agency. I think there's a lot of potential there, but yes, to go through the meet the parents again, comedy of errors with T'Pring and her family meeting human Spock, and then two episodes later realize that oh, okay, they're not. This is not going to work for either of them, and they both are accepting of that in their own ways. It's like oh, that was that happened so fast. And knowing that we've already been renewed for two seasons, knowing we at least have four seasons of the show, it's like, oh, we we maybe could have played in that gray zone a little bit longer, so we could really feel the weight and the ramifications of when that split does eventually canonically happen. Um, but the, I guess that's neither here nor there. You know, it's what they wrote, so it's going to be what we deal with.
1: But. Yeah, and then Kirk, just slowly, I guess, being a bigger part of a show that. I didn't think was gonna happen. I thought like the whole point was that we weren't gonna get as I don't much Kirk. Kirk.
0: <laughs> I love Kirk. I don't yeah, need Paul Kirk Wesley in this. is
1: great and I thought he was he's a great addition to the crew, but it's a completely different like element. You mm-hmm. know, it's adding something that was not we I feel like we're we're sidelining Pike more than yeah. I thought we were, you know. Um, which is the whole reason I we loved the show in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um was this was a different captain and a different kind of crew. We had yes. some elements of things, but we're seeing Uhura in different contexts and Spock in a different context. Mm-hmm. And I was like uh, uh curious about seeing them because we've already seen so much of Kirk. We need to hear so much about Kirk, absolutely. You know? So um, yeah. So yeah, just I need
0: I need more Anson Mount. I really do. And I'm hoping yeah. that the second season is um also hopefully just to give him more time to be a human. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why he, why other characters were really having the chance in the spot. Like, we had a couple of horror episodes. We had Nurse Chapel-centric episodes. We get time with these other characters, which means we, we pull away from someone mm-hmm. like Pike. But Anson Mount is a, a, a critical component of this show. His mm-hmm. energy, his enthusiasm, the talent he brings to the table as Pike is, like, electric. And I miss spending time with him. And I don't like that most of the time that we spend with him is either through the lens of him like half bickering and pulling away from his girlfriend or he's like, I can't think of the word. Um, mitigating is not the right word, but he's like he's being a mediary for something else. So like Spock and Chapel and Pring, It's like he's just he's there, but he's not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. So like I want I want some Anson Mount episodes. I want a Pike episode. And I'm secretly hoping the finale is a Pike episode.
1: I'm sure it will be. I mean, we did call it uh, earlier that this is when we heard about the musical thing. We were like, well, this is clearly going to be a, a Hura episode, right? Because she's a communication officer. And what else is going to deal with communication? And the last time we had a singing episode was the involved her and the Spock. Right. You know, so we kind of fully expected them to be a part of this, you know, so...
0: Well, great, uh, great segue, Matthias. I would love to tell you who the singers and the non-singers of the cast are, if you'll bear with me. Um, Celia Rose Gooding, the woman who plays Ahura, is a Grammy winner, winner, Tony nominated, and a Broadway alum, which absolutely makes sense of why she would basically helm this episode. Um, she was in Jagged Little Pill on Broadway. She studied dance at Alvin Ailey Institute and majored in musical theater at Pace university before she dropped out to do Broadway. So she's a superstar. So that's one she's trained. And then Christina Chong, um, is actually a dancer. So we know that she released an album like a month or so ago. So she is, um, walking into like the singer spotlight. She's discovering that part of herself, but she's trained as a dancer first. She's been dancing since she was four years old. And apparently she was very disappointed that she didn't get to do any dancing in this episode. Um I read an article with the choreographer that I'll be referencing as we talk about the episode. Basically he was like, I, Christine has that dancer energy. I was very excited to work with her. And then we read her song. We went through the song and we were both like, this is not, there's no dancing happening here so uh christine is a dancer and then they could have found a way they could have found a way uh carol kane who's pelia played uh madame morrible on the first national tour of wicked so those are our three i would say like trained vocalists uh everyone else really no proper training and the person that was most anxious about it was anson mount sure he said uh Happily, most people pay me not to sing, but I can definitely learn. So he was really nervous to take on this, but apparently he put in like a ridiculous amount of rehearsal time. And I personally, I don't know about you guys or about you, Matthias, but I loved his like growler rock vibe. I wish he would have been more confident uh, and would have been more willing to take on some, some more stuff because seeing him on his knees like... Growling at his girlfriend for love, and on just like shuts the screen off. I think is is so fun. So well,
1: no, I think it's like when you have like an untrained and maybe not even just untrained, but just like not skilled like singer. Like even if he learns and he does things, we've seen where like someone without the that training or those skills and that that kind of practice, when they try and do, when they take on more than they can, it just becomes um it like the crack start to show and I feel like that probably would have happened with Anson Mount had they not like kind of like shut it off mm. and more of like just utilizing his strengths like you're not here to do a, a ballad or a solo like leave that to the like other people we'll use you sparingly and I think they did like a good job of like understanding like where his strengths were yeah. and utilizing them and not giving him an like anything where people would start like, picking it apart or doing whatever. And especially in the episode where they're like, why are we singing? You know, like makes kind of a lot of sense. Like it's kind of against his will kind of situation, you know? So that's, um, you can already be forgiving of like certain things. Mm -hmm. It is fun again, to have someone who has no training to come in and, and put forth some work and to show up for it, you know? And, And that he was, he was willing to do that. And I think that's great. But yeah. I'm glad they didn't give us like too much. What we're supposed to like sure. take him as like, are we supposed to like believe him as like a singer? So yeah, great. Because right. I wouldn't have. I think it, like it even to us, it was clear that he was the least trained. You know, yeah. Of of and manga
0: who had like two lines. Yeah, again, he has yeah. no. Yeah, he's like, I do jujitsu. Like, I'm not. I'm not doing this. But yeah, uh, they did offer vocal lessons two months to anybody who wanted them prior to filming this. And apparently uh, there was an option to re-record once the final mix was in place. But almost all of the actors stayed with their onset recording hmm. of their performance. So which I thought was very interesting uh, because watching this, I was like, some of the sound mixing doesn't make sense to me with what I'm watching. So if they're saying that everyone was recording live.
1: I don't think it was. That can't be true. There's no way that a lot of this was recorded live. I mean, especially with the amount of takes that they did and the amount of camera angles like that and keeping that, that up, like there was consistency amongst like the mix and stuff and Mm -hmm. and the vocals. So I feel like that would have been really hard to do. I can't imagine. This is not like a lame is situation. I know it it seems uh,
0: there's a, it's a variety article with the director and yeah, that's what he said that like everyone's stuck with their, on-set recordings. I was like, that's... I would like more information about that. I didn't... That was all it was talking about. And then it moves to a conversation with the choreographer, but...
1: I mean, I'm curious if that was just, like, on-set means they didn't go to, like, a studio. And, you know, like, they still recorded it while they were within the set, you know, but they kind of set up a mic in a situation, you know, and let Mm -hmm. them do the whole thing. Because I feel like it was in essence, like pre-recorded, they used pre-recorded tracks. I know for rehearsal and stuff and everything. So there's not, I, that, I don't know. I, I don't know anything. So I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Cause no, like, it's I, don't, okay. I don't, I don't, have any insider knowledge here. It just feels weird that like, I don't understand why they would do, de- cause it doesn't feel that way. It does not it's, feel like, that clearly, way. Like the way that it was shot. I'm like, Oh, okay. So they're not singing. I can tell they used a track. Yeah. Like, it, to me, it looks like that. So if they were really singing on like a lot of those, like good on them. You know that there's mm-hmm. some like amazing stuff happening for doing it all like on the take, but I don't i feel like we're misreading what is being said there. Mm-hmm. So that should be maybe
0: clarified. we'll clarify that later. Um but if if that is to be believed, um very very interesting. Um and then
1: well it did strike me that on uh, felt like the most trained. Obviously, we talked about that. Um, or at least, like, to me, like, I could see the... Uh, maybe a little bit of, like, old-school choir training mm-hmm. or chorale training as I'm hearing, like, my own choir director right. uh, in my head, like, with certain things. Uh, she felt like she had at least that training or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, obviously not Broadway, different thing. And that goes to Aurora yeah. who has, I think in my opinion like mm-hmm. the best song out of the the whole show do you have like a a favorite or whatever or is I it... really
0: liked Laon's and uh, yeah i i think mostly because i like laon and i like the actress so i think not that i don't like Ahura. um but yeah i just i really i really love laon as a character so and listening to her sing and just the kind of presence that actress brings i i really like her but i had a bunch of fun with nurse chapel's song too that was like, in my opinion, the fun song. That was our biggest dance number, including the finale. You know what I mean? Like it was the, it was the biggest party vibe. So I really enjoyed Jess Bush kind of like sultry singing about just doing her own shit.
1: Yeah. I just felt like Jess, as much as I love her chapel and I I love her acting, it didn't, I didn't feel like she was giving as much as I would have wanted for like that, Yeah, for that song or like. She was able to, you know, it was like clear she, she might have been like a little bit out of her element a little in bit terms of, discomfort. of like of musical theater and stuff. And again, everyone kind of is. So that's not like a criticism. That's kind of like right. a, the point of
0: the right. episode
1: is everyone being and like having to do those things. So like it works. And again, they play to her strengths, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But to give her like the big ensemble number yeah, either was really smart to kind of draw the attention away from her, you know, um, or kind of really dumb because like, I feel like someone like Uhura could have been a really good, uh, person to, uh, and she which would she have been did, a great ringleader. which she technically did for and the, the finale. finale, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that number with nurse chapel m- could have, uh, Benefited maybe from like a, str- a stronger like lead singer, I, yeah. Know? I can agree with that. Um, or at least like really give us like the big showstopper of like a dance number or something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I've, you mentioned earlier there was just like a um, not they had a choreographer and there was like a um, not time to choreograph some, certain songs or whatever. But I feel like there was just kind of like a lack of choreography, yes all together. Absolutely. And I was like, kind of disappointed by that. I was like, they're just, I was like, why did they hire a choreographer for some of this stuff when they're literally just walking from one corner of the room to the other corner? (laughs) And that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, even I, as like a non choreographer could have come up with something. I'm sure, you know, like, for Spock, it makes a little bit of sense. Sure. It's kind of funny whenever like, it, yes. it would have been funnier had everyone else been so expressive. And then his version of it is like, I'll walk to the center of the room. Mm-hmm. And I'll push this a little bit, you know, like that yes. would have been funny mm-hmm. because it's Spock. Yeah. But when everyone's doing that, it's not, it's like, okay, yeah. this is just the extent of what they did or they could do and or my, whatever. My
0: curiosity is like, if the subspace rift the idea is that the feelings lead to song, not that the feelings lead to choreographed movement. So I know we're but playing in the realm. But could have put that in
1: there. I agree. I yeah. think we're
0: playing in the realm of musical theater and I'm a dancer. You're already, you're like already. dancing is, is a challenge. So when you have actors who, don't, who already don't have a lot of comfort singing and then you add movement on top of that. Oh, but
1: a lot of them had some comfort singing. That's the thing is like this cast well, was Well, only
0: like, three of them. At all the rest of them were only non-singers. three of them are like really
1: trained, but yeah. that's that's not to say that the others haven't like wanted the opportunity to like show their range or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think again. Uh, Ethan Peck doesn't have like. Apparently, clearly
0: Ethan Peck was a huge surprise that he came out and sang, and everyone was like, "We already, you sing?
1: we already had an episode of him doing that though in the first season." You know, so right. again to like, um, but again like to that's kind of like. I feel like it's such a golden opportunity like as an actor like nowadays we don't often have the chance to show us as like like double or even triple threats mm-hmm. kind of thing is like the opportunity to be like oh you also sing feels like it like is great and especially for maybe people who haven't gotten to like stretch that muscle in a while like yeah. no you're not a Broadway singer like there's no nothing that says that you have to be like quote-unquote like a trained singer and like constantly yeah. doing this to be a triple that. So I feel like that's a good opportunity for some of these actors. That's not to say they haven't had any sort of training, you know, or have been singers. like, I haven't sung in years, but mm-hmm. like, if you, you know, we go to karaoke or whatever, and then people are surprised at like, Oh, you also sing is like, mm-hmm. yeah. Cause I t- like, I used to do that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I feel like there's, I, I could tell that like, at least in my opinion, it felt like even the, those that weren't, Fully trained beyond like, again, Anson Mount, Umbenga, maybe Nurse Chapel. The rest of them mm-hmm. clearly had like w- were enjoying like showing off that little skill set. Yeah, You know, so I and the feel fact like that
0: we didn't let Christina dance like hurts my feelings now, knowing she's like is, a trained dancer of like 20 some years. And we're she already didn't to dance. we're
1: already suspending our disbelief. Like, OK, get your uh, subspace rift that. Forces everyone to sing, so they have emotions. You might as well throw dancing in there too, because dancing is already happening. You already like have people. You mentioned in the first number is like, oh, they're already choreographing the the computer things, you know. And it's like you have them in there. I, you surely hire dancers. They did, so and they like, they
0: did like a grand total of four lifts. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah, four people went up in the air, and the the biggest dance sequence was. A, the Klingons, and then B, that one shot coming down that hallway. You,
1: you know what I think the problem is, is that I, as bringing in choreographers is one thing, bringing in dancers is one thing, bringing in um, like a, uh, tr- like people, uh, musical artists, things like that to help make the songs and, and do the recordings uh, is one thing. But I'm curious, like how much of the crew, you know, the rest of the crew was like traded out for like people who like understood like musical theater and, and the uh, movement and movement and the ability to like, cause you're, you're asking a crew uh, of, and like a whole group of people who are set up producers too to set up for like, this is a space drama comedy kind of thing. Right. And uh, adventure. It's a space adventure mm-hmm. thing. And we're not like set up. Our sets are not set up for this kind of thing. Our, our, our crew is not set up for like our, our gear is not set up for, um, what you want to do. You know, like mm-hmm. we have visual effects we have to take into account, you know, so you're so limited on certain things mm-hmm. and, and not being able to bring in like to, to kind of bring in a whole new crew that like understood those things or really put them like, they're like, they're still painted uh, in these corners of uh, and stuck where they have to be. And like, this is still the line that we have to um, do. And we're only, we're so limited. So we can't allow the time to do like the other stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like all the lighting and all that, you know, and that I feel like that might be where, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to really, Go all out, you know, and like, I, how much planning could they have done for this? I don't know. Like we're also like, this was probably being shot mostly in the height of COVID times or like around the, I mean, it's 2023 now. So like maybe like 2022 Mm -hmm. is when it was being shot. So like, we're like nearing the end of like COVID, but there's still like how much prep did they have before then? If not, like just leading up to the episodes, yeah. how much rehearsals did they get, you know? So like with schedules and of ensemble crew, uh, cast and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's like that shows that they didn't have the time. And that, they didn't that's have weird the, to yeah. me
0: because it's the same article I keep referencing, they said that pre-production for this started like a year and a half before they shot. Um, and it started with reaching out to the songwriters, what Tom pulse and Kay Hanley, um, and like going back and forth between them and the writers deciding, like how each song was going to be curated. And the songs are
1: like good. Yeah. Like Like that stuff shows.
0: And then I think the rehearsal process was only three months, but the producer, the director and the cinematographer, the producer, one of the producers on the show, I apologize. I don't remember which one I have names written down. The cinematographer for this episode and the director for this episode all have, musical episodes on their resumes from like what we do in the shadows, the expanse nightmare alley, the strange shape of water. Um, so I feel like they tried to bring people in that understood if nothing else, movement mm-hmm. quality. Um, and again, brought in a choreographer that has uh, a true dance background, can choreograph like balletic opera sequences, but also does creature movement also does pedestrian movement. So I feel like they tried to cover their bases and then this is, like, what they were able to curate.
1: Yeah, maybe was, Maybe they felt like they were so limited because they're like, we're still in the Star Trek realm. Mm-hmm. They're just every now and then busting out into songs, So we still have to keep it within, like, certain contexts. But, like, that feels like, I mean, I don't know. Couldn't, we had, like, one cutaway to, like, the hallway at the finale mm-hmm. where the, like, dancers, like, do their like little, yeah, kind of run off, and that's basically it, that's it. you know. That's it. I was like, we couldn't have had more cutaways to like other dancers, dancers. doing things. We know that like people are bussing out in the song, uh, uh, within like the decks, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, what off screen that we're like not seeing, so we know yeah. it's happening elsewhere, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's just a interest. It, it's just interesting. I just felt like. I guess a little underwhelmed, you know, like yeah, part of it is good. Like the, the songs are, are really well written. They're really well tied into the episodes and like, and the way, again, as much as I'm a criticism of where it falls, the fact that it does fall here and that they do like write in certain elements of these things, like it doesn't feel out of place, you know? So the, the lyrics really match up. The melodies really match up. Um, They, They did a good job of giving us at least seasons, uh, uh, like hinting at certain things that were to come, to where like these elements don't really um, just come out of nowhere and don't feel like it It all kind of fits. You know, it all it all kind of works in terms of like what they are, but then but then it's like the things that we're missing that we wanted. It's like how do you you do revisit this episode? Uh, as much as you'd want to because like to re-listen to the songs and to re-watch the choreography and no like I mean when I when we re-watched it today you were mostly taking notes because you didn't need to watch what was happening like you can just I guess listen to the soundtrack if you really care about it you know and then there's surely like again the songs aren't not good but there's clearly like one or two standouts that you might go to you know and that's it Mm -hmm. right um, so yeah, in terms of like, especially when we've had again, such good musical episodes, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, like magicians was more, I guess, like jukebox musical, mm-hmm. um, you know, so they're using like popular music to do that. And this is 10 original songs, which is hard right. to do. And then also kind of ranging in different genres. Cause like what genre is, um, Star Trek, right? Like a a Star Trek musical, like in terms of, I guess, because we call musical genre, like, you know, like it's weird. Like there's no sci-fi, like what, what musical genre would Star Trek be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this kind of like flitters between different musical genres. Um, I feel like even like little things where we transition To like clear like commercial breaks, Mm -hmm. you know, and like we had the opening theme song, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Like acapella opening theme song. I really, really love that. But then they don't like in between the I mean, like at least Glee did this really well. Like their little transitions between like commercial breaks is like was also acapella music. And I was like, you could have just done that as well Mm -hmm. and would have felt I guess maybe that would have felt too much like Lee, but it also like you might as well do it, <laughs> you know, because yeah. everyone's spontaneously singing anyway. So it would have been right. like a fun, fun little element. Just like take it, t- like I don't know, take it to a new level, you know. Yeah, um, might as well. I do think their focus
0: was to keep it as like grounded and authentic as possible, and I think that they could have done that while still being bombastic, of mm-hmm. like really leaning into like Schmigadoon, like what is the quality of musical theater? It is kind of this over the top, like love is huge and, and colorful and, and, and breakups are despair and painful, like go there. Right. Because it is a little caricature, but that's what makes musical theater and live performance. So special is that you can ground musical theater. Mm -hmm. I know in a different way than you ground camera acting, but good theater is just as grounded and sincere as, camera acting where it can be.
1: Yeah. And couldn't you like, does this, do you think about like, oh, is this a musical episode for musical lovers or is there people who don't like musicals, you know? And I'm wondering like, does this sway people over who like are here for their star Trek Fantasy, And do they want to like now go seek out good musicals or whatever? Do they now see the power of musicals? And I don't think so. I don't think so either. I've been reading
0: some tweets and this episode seems to be like the most divisive one.
1: Interesting. I haven't seen any.
0: Because, yeah, just the discourse of people being like. Number one, if it's a 10 episode season, why are we wasting time with a musical episode? And it being the penultimate one, like people are kind of having a hard time with. Um, the yeah critics of the episode are saying that it like if musical episodes feel like a waste, mm-hmm. and I have to hard disagree. I think musical episodes can be critical to a season, they can be special, they can be fun. I understand how you can be critical of this episode, but I don't think that means that you shouldn't watch it and enjoy mm-hmm. it, and I would even argue that you know for me as a Star Trek fan, like I want to like what I'm watching, and even if it's not what I'm expecting Star Trek to be or maybe what I want perfectly out of a penultimate episode. It's like I'm watching to support the show because I like what the show's doing. I like the risks that it's trying to take. I like the tone that it's trying to set. I like the actors that I get to spend time with as these characters. So like, just enjoy the ride. Then you can be critical of it and still enjoy the ride. But yeah, people being like, I'm not even going to watch this one. It's like relax <laughs> we're in we're in space playing pretend like well, i
1: mean to be to you know to def- defend their their perspective like you k- miss nothing <laughs> i i don't think you really miss anything if you do skip it that's yeah. the, that's a big problem for me you know like if you're gonna make it like your penultimate ultimate episode then like you need to make it not missable mm-hmm. you know i wonder how much of it also like changed again nope year and a half of like planning this that couldn't have been true but like i was thinking about like again Antimount being like on maternity leave mm-hmm. and so like that. And especially he doesn't play that much in this episode anyway so they could have almost lost him <laughs> if they needed to right um but yeah that's uh, uh this what scheduling changes like maybe happen, but at the end of the day, like it doesn't sound like anything happened. So like if you're going to make this and you plan it as your penultimate episode, you got to make it like unmissable. Right. And I don't feel like they did that, you know? So in essence, like I'm not, I I can understand people's feelings about that, you know, about like I'm going to skip it or do whatever, especially again, you're asking people who maybe are not as much of musical nerds as Mm -hmm. maybe you are to like, like, oh, uh, And again, we've talked very early on about this episode um, or this kind of episode being uh, kind of a little bit of a fad, you know, and mm-hmm. what started with magicians and like other shows do it so well. I think this is a great cast to do a musical episode with. I think that was very clear. Like they all have these strengths here and I think it's really well utilized. I think it's really fun when you can kind of like... M- kind of make fun of it kind of, my, which is really interesting because I feel like all musicals now are just kind of making fun of musicals, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all very like... On the nose. Yeah, on the nose of things. Um, I, it's been a while. I feel like the last time we had something that wasn't... I mean, besides actual musicals on Broadway, like mm-hmm. Hamilton, anything in a film format, as though, like, the last time we had just, like, like an earnest musical uh um i'm sorry tv show format cuz films different mm, mm-hmm. uh um was smash you know mm-hmm. original songs like yeah. really like actually had some like bangers in there you know and yeah. was like earnest about like this is just a musical mm-hmm. you know a musical show um kind of makes fun of the whole thing Definitely. you know um uh, uh, even magicians makes fun of it a little bit, you know. Like I think Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, to a certain extent, kind of like understands like the rules of musicals, and this one is also about the mm-hmm. rules of musicals. I don't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so you might forgive me if I'm wrong on that. I've heard good things about yeah the musical of elements of that one, you know. Um. Uh, but we, but this one, it's we're always like making fun of it, and I don't think that this. I I don't know if that like, this is such a good cast to do musicals with, but I don't think making fun of it. Like I think it, it, it works, but then it, it doesn't, you know, it, it works to this context where it, like it, it, it keeps us a little bit grounded a mm-hmm. little bit like, okay, this is, this is weird. We're showing <laughs> the fans that are not here for musical episodes that like, yes, this is supposed to be weird. This is supposed to be out of the ordinary. This mm-hmm. is supposed to be kind of, but then you're not, but then the, in doing that so much, you don't embrace what makes musicals so great, and then lose the audience along Correct. the way. So, hundred percent. I, I it's it's kind of that double edged sword of like like who was really in charge. And again, you have a whole other season of things to do, um, and and set up and whatever to like I guess ultimately also get to this. You know, and your focus is on a on a big budget like sci fi, I can imagine Mm -hmm. that takes like a lot of resources. It's hard to put any focus on these games. Whereas like magicians, like, if this is your biggest thing you're gonna do is a musical episode, like yes, there's fantasy elements and there's some there's some VFX, there's some like big budget stuff like going on in the magicians as well, but I don't feel like it's as involved as like a sci fi. Yeah. Um, at and least not Star Trek.
0: Especially too, well, like you said with magicians, like it's a jukebox musical, which means they're not using yeah. original songs. So for Star Trek- So to, again, the
1: audience is going to l- hopefully know those songs. and Yeah, as that's a,
0: another way to like hook mm-hmm, them in essentially. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, and I would also argue like kind of hook your actors in too, because if it's songs that they already kind of know, yeah, you know, but that's the fun again of, of true musical theater and why I think, Sicily shines so brightly it's because she's so familiar with that world and that's why her 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 number is the true power ballad I said that Christina's when we first see it is a power ballad which yeah,
1: I think you use character names too because it's hard oh sure to um, Celia
0: is yohora mm-hmm. and Christina is Laon um, Laon's number I think is a type of power ballad but then obviously we see with Uhura is like that is the power ballad of the show. She is like, Oh yeah, it's absolutely. The, it's the big number aside from the finale, yeah. which is great. But there's also a part of me that wonders, like I was saying a little bit earlier, I'm not sure that I took the stakes as seriously because of the way that the information was presented to me. I was complaining before we started this podcast that I don't have access to the lyrics yet. Um, They're not like printed anywhere. I was hoping to just pull them up on a website so I could look at them instead of trying to take, lyrics sound while I was watching the episode. But to your point, we are actually delivered a lot of information that I think people are going to gloss over because of the media in which it was given to us. Like Chapel being accepted by, into like Dr. Corby's program, huge information, which leads to Spock realizing that they just broke up and he's now talking about the fact that he needs to shut his emotions off Huge! Mm-hmm. The fact that Patel's going on a priority one mission and we've been knowing that like we are apparently on the very edge of a Gorn war, huge information. Like there are things that are being delivered to us that I think we're just kind of glossing over because of the mode of transportation of which are being delivered. And so I think when we come into episode 10, there might actually be a little bit of confusion of like, when, when did we actually figure all of this out? Because people aren't digesting the songs like, the way that they need to be. Some things are being delivered as like a one line or almost throwaway. But that information is so important to setting up like things that are going to happen and domino for us. Um, yeah. Like nurse nurse chapel song specifically needs to be taken very, very seriously because if you're a, a fan of the show and now Matias, you have a little bit of a knowledge because of what I've shared with you. Like we know what this means for her. We know this is a huge moment in her journey as a character and we know it's a critical pivotal moment for Spock when he realizes that it's going to be Chapel that's the one that creates distance in this relationship and not him the Vulcan like that's huge implications on how he sees himself as a human and as a Vulcan and it's delivered in song and I don't think people are taking it seriously whereas if we could have just had Ethan Peck uh, deliver that and sit with that like he usually does as an actor I think it would have I think these moments would have played as as bigger and more important than they do, unfortunately, in a musical format. That's my opinion. Yeah,
1: they say early on that like, oh, people sing in musicals. And again, this is a musical where musicals exist, which is is fun. It's hilarious, you know, because again, most musicals don't acknowledge that. Um I love I want to make a zombie film where zombie films exist which is probably not a new idea but like should Great be idea, though. you know um uh but again you don't like acknowledging the rules is fun and they acknowledge the rule that people are singing when they feel most emotionally uh wh- whatever I'm like is that the rule like is that true I don't I never saw musicals that way growing up when mm-hmm. I saw musicals I saw musicals as like uh uh, the the fun stuff where it happens with the song and then the talky talky bits are like, I'm um, like, I don't care about, you know, like that's where like all the emotional stuff is happening. And then the talky talky bits, like let's get to another song that I want to sing, you know, like I don't. Um, well,
0: then you're saying it. You're saying the most important emotional information happens in the song.
1: I'm saying it's like it's they they say they sing when they have like can't say things anymore <laughs> And I'm like, I don't necessarily feel like I got there. I was like, I thought like everyone just wanted to sing, you know? I thought everyone was just like, we just want to sing. We're just doing a talky talky bit to get to another song was always. And that's because like the musicals I did were jukebox musicals where like the talky talky bits were not very cool. It was like, yeah, like a song had to like make sense in context. Right. It was like set up with like something, you know, but it wasn't like I have to sing because I can't say it, you know, it was because it was like, Oh no, because everyone's here. The role of the musical is everyone's here to hear a song. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, (laughs) I, I don't, I just disagree with that role fundamentally in the sense that like, you don't go to a martial arts film, you know, and say like, Oh, they're doing martial arts because that's, they, they, they bust out into a martial arts piece because they can't, when walk and talk fail. anymore you know I was like that's not, that's not necessarily true you're doing it because because there's like certain lulls and certain moments where you're like we need we need a beat here mm-hmm. because this is what people came to this right the audience takes part in musicals and martial arts and any kind of thing that any medium that you have that's so important is like you're doing it's not it's not always because a character is just feeling too much that they can't say it anymore. Cause they could, they could say it, but that, they do that say has it. To be, we have enough talking, that has to singing be
0: character driven. Like you just said with stunt choreography. I agree with that hundred percent. You go see action films. You know what you're walking into. I didn't go see mission impossible to listen to them talk. I went to see mission impossible to do like crazy shit with Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when you're choreographing those beats, those beats are a story. You don't ever want to just like, All right, here's a fight. You walk in, you start throwing fists because that that reads as insincere to the audience. It's interesting.
1: It's interesting you bring up Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible specifically, especially like the last one, Christopher McQuarrie and and Tom Cruise knew that the stunt that they wanted to do was this jumping off the uh uh, um Mm -hmm. doing the motorcycle jump into a free dive into a parachute uh gliding thing, right? Don't you think all in one take? And that was all like that was the thing, and they build the rest of the story like mm-hmm. around it to get to that point, right? And it was weak, I, but that's how they did every. That's how they do all the Mission Impossibles. That's how Chris McQuarrie. They're
0: big stunt, but the have other done the last stunts... three.
1: They did that with the ha- the Halo jump. Right. They did that with the um plane hanging off the plane. I kind of think this is all this has always been a part of the mission impossible things. And sometimes the action things come first and then everything else like is just leading up to that. Like the the I don't necessarily believe I was like, no, we don't come here to like I, I I'm not here. I'm not trying to make a big point about this. Yeah. I'm just like disagreeing fundamentally because mm-hmm. I feel like that's not the actual role of musicals. I feel like that's what people want to say about musicals. I think that's, what I feel people like there's a lot of time, musicals? Like, I feel like there's a lot of time where people sing where it's like, it's not because they couldn't say it anymore or whatever. Like as like, they, I don't know that that's how I would phrase the rule. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's how, like what makes sense to me is like what musicals are, especially how I've grown up with musicals. Um, because there's that element of knowing, uh, uh, what we're going into. And I said that because all that to say is like, um, Like, we don't. I, there's a whole reason I brought that up that, like, the, this is the rule that they, like, set up. And then the emotional things don't actually, like, land for us. Right. Mm -hmm. They, like, I was like, okay, so this is all because the emotions are, like, rising up, but then, like, don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. you can go on, move forward. I don't no. know what I was going to say because you interrupted <laughs> what, I was gonna, like, what I was trying to say. Yeah,
0: I, it's just, as someone that's done a lot of musical theater too, I think it's, talk about Mission Impossible again because I love that point you made. Like, if you know your big stunt or you know your big beat and you have to write around that, it feels more disingenuous than coming to a place organically. So like as a musical theater actor, when you go through like audition workshops where they tell you how to sing your like 32 bars and try to make it as authentically grounded as possible, you never want to in your head as a performer be like, I'm singing because I have to sing because that's boring and it's not authentic. So if you're if you're in the the feeling of your character, it I didn't should, say
1: that we're singing because we have to sing. I'm saying like in most musicals, we're singing because we want to sing. We're here for the singing. We're yeah, here for the but action. Why, do, we're you here want, for the why do you
0: want to sing? You uh, want to sing and dance because just like normal talking doesn't suffice. Uh, Footloose, you're so riled up. Do you like have to have this like singing dance battle in this garage? I don't know that I
1: consider Footloose a musical, Shannon. That's uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a stretch there. Are you fucking with me? I guess Footloose has some musical numbers, but I don't don't consider that. Keep going. Is he fucking with me? Can you just like. (laughs)
0: Um, But yeah, so I, I think that. The idea that when people are singing, they're confessing highly personal, emotional information. I agree with that in the realm of musical theater. But I do understand where you're coming from, that it's not necessarily landing the way that you need it to. But no, I again, don't, I don't know
1: what I was saying because I don't remember what I was trying to <laughs> say there. Why I started that whole.
0: Um, like, well, sentence. if you remember it, cut me off. But um, yeah, I think I think people that love musicals and people that love to go see musicals, it's like, we don't just want to sit here and like, oh, songs just pop up because we know they're supposed to pop up. Like, they need to be character motivated. Just like when I go see dance-heavy musicals, like, oh, we're all just dancing because it's time for a dance number. Sure, but why? Why is the energy so big that all we can do is like, break into this choreography together? Why are we in this tiny hallway and our emotions are so high that we have to fist fight in this hallway? Like there has to be emotional story beats to drive breaking into song, breaking into fight, breaking into dance. And it cannot, the motivation cannot be because we need a song here. Even if we as an audience know we're here to see musical songs have to happen. So I think that's where the craft of musical theater comes in Is that, yeah, as an audience member, I know what I'm walking into, but as a creator and as a, as a performer and as an artist, it's like, what do I bring to the table emotionally instead of just, it's time for me to sing my little song or like do my little dance, you know? So at the heart of it, if that's what we want to believe about musical theater, I think that's really lovely and a goddamn delight. Um, and I think from there, Matthias, why don't we just go like song by song through the episode no no
1: no we've already talked for like an hour and a half about the <laughs> entire episode we're not gonna I... No, Shannon I would like to know what you're um unfortunately like if that's what you wanted to do and that's what you thought was gonna happen <laughs> like we shouldn't have spent so much time on like a... we've already talked about I, so here's what I'm saying I'm glad that we're not we're we're as divisive on this I believe as like as you said most of the internet so we're like saying things that is are out there uh I don't Think I think we both loved watching this episode. Mm -hmm. I love seeing actors do their thing. I love uh, getting to see different sides of actors. I love musical episodes. There were some definitely like some strong numbers here. I think that was really great um, to see. And I I would love to see them if they're going to do it again. Which I have a feeling this is something that you would want to like do again. You don't just introduce this and not give the actors like another chance to do it. Mm -hmm. Like hopefully they redeem themselves and like take what we're saying and what the other people are saying of like, what was missing if you're going to like do this. And for me, it was like, just kind of like go all out, you know, Mm -hmm. um, maybe, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I get mostly like, we just were missing like a little bit of like, Choreography, which is like Give me the well, why, do, why do they hire? Why do people hire choreographers nowadays? This is weird I, we've we've dealt with this a lot, like as you as a choreographer and me having like done like dance films before, where like there's always this weird disconnect, even with people like I've shot dance a lot. There's always gonna be a disconnect between like what can be shot and what the choreographer wants to do, and then what the you know, skills of the actors are, you okay. know. So maybe there's a lot of that to deal with, but you had, again, you hired dancers. There's probably a way to get them to do most of it. You Absolutely. Know? So, I don't know. So there's like a lot, maybe other things that probably could have been there missing. But I, I we're, we are, I guess, echoing like a lot of like the different elements out there. I'm sure other people have their own thoughts. And I hope we're not being like too down on this episode because I feel like we did love it. You cried multiple times and there's different, definitely elements that I love about it. I wish it had just come like earlier in the season and not been like the crux of mm-hmm. all these different things. Do you have any like finalists on that before we like kind of move into like Loreloft and like, actually what you thought like those big things that we should have caught that we should have like, that we need to like actually talk about for the future of the franchise.
0: Yeah. I, um I do want to talk about Chapel and Spock because that is the, Most interesting thing to me about moving forward. Um, Battelle also, just that little throwaway, and then uh, the the Klingon boy band right at the end. Um, Klingon opera is like a thing that's been referenced through Star Trek history. And I was reading that the as in like
1: a in canon in universe thing, okay,
0: yeah. And I read that they the other version of the Klingon warship is operatic so it would have been like a klingon opera as a nod to the in canon like klingon opera sure, mentions. yeah um but they were like it it wasn't different enough from the way the other things sounded so they thought the k-pop boy band was more interesting
1: i thought it was hilarious yeah guess
0: who the main klingon guy is
1: lin-manuel miranda
0: if it was i would jump
1: <laughs> off no. i don't know what context i would have to like guess it's Hemmer. It's I,
0: the actor who plays Hemmer. Oh, really? That's yeah. funny. Yeah. They just keep bringing him back to like play different to things. To do like
1: under a creature kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because they love
0: him and he's a delight. And apparently he's just so great to have on set that they just keep trying to find ways to bring him in. So yeah, that main guy is Hemmer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I will say like, uh, of, all the th- <laughs> of all the elements, like I made the joke, the Klingon thing happens and... You'd be like, oh, that darn Federation! Like they made the they made the Klingons sing, you know. Be by by like they really got them, you know. But like they had light choreography, you know. There was like a there was a choreographed number, and also like the lights were in in sync the with what they were pulls doing. Back to yeah. open the
0: space for them uh, to yeah. dance. Like it's a whole concept. Uh, I was like,
1: it seems like this has been pent up inside you guys for a long time. But again, of things that we shouldn't gloss over, like the Klingons. Basically, we're saying, like, I want to kill you. Uh This is like we're not like <laughs> coming right off the heels of an episode that was about how the Klingons or at least some Klingons are trying to make peace. Like this is about peace with the Federation and stuff like that. Well, clearly, some Klingons, Klingons don't feel, especially if this is. Them busting out a song because of their feelings, you know, bro, hundred so, percent. And uh, you're so
0: right. That's what we keep saying is that you can actually very easily gloss over the information that's presented to you in song. Yeah, it's a K-pop boy band. They're talking about stabbing people with their bat lifts, like they're talking about war and carnage and damage and hating the Federation. But it's sung like this, so we don't realize that we're on the edge of Klingon space, dealing with someone sure. that wants to like. Fuck us up.
1: Well, quickly tell us about the other things that we might have missed I would like and why they're important. Because, okay. you, again, you mentioned multiple times like that they are important, but we glossed over them. But why?
0: You're right. Um, so the first one is a nurse chapel. This is something that we've touched on in previous episodes, so I'll just go a lot quicker. Dr. Corby, we know, is someone that she studies archaeological medicine under that she eventually falls in love with, becomes engaged with, and he goes missing. And that's how she ends back on the Enterprise on their five-year mission. Her hope is that if she's sent on a deep space assignment, that she'll find him in the galaxy. Um, So I'm interested. I'm curious if this is setting up her departure from like, main story Enterprise the same way that number one was separated from the crew briefly. I have talked earlier in the season about wondering if we were going to meet Dr. Corby and get more of this background story for furnace chapel. And I'm hoping that as people fall more in love with Jess Bush's chapel and what she brings to the table, I'm hoping that's opening the door for season three to explore what that is for her. My fear is that it's all going to happen off screen because with the writer's strike, we don't know when this is going to start filming again. We don't know what season three is going to hold but this is the start of that fellowship that starts that relationship. So I'm kind of hoping to see it develop on camera, even if it's only like one or two episodes similar to the way number one got. So that's nurse chapel and Dr. Corby. Um, Captain Battelle, I definitely think is going to die. We keep just like randomly kind of throwing her in every once in a while to remind us that Pike is in a relationship with her. And, in passing she's like oh can't go on our cute vacation because i'm sent on a priority one mission from starfleet that just feels so ominous to me um i think canonically we have captains in passing mention priority one mission missions and then the whole ship just dies because then the enterprise has to come in and clean up the mess and we know that gorn are supposed to play a big part in strange new worlds and we really haven't touched on them so I'm wondering if why this do we is... know that
1: Gorn's supposed to play a big part
0: because La'an has her whole Gorn background story and every time we visit La'an she's either talking about her con heritage or her Gorn like trauma so we know that Gorn war is something that was flirted with for strange new worlds and I'm worried that this is going to be an inciting incident for a Gorn war eh. that's just that's an idea um, I don't really have hard evidence of that uh, Kirk mentions Carol Marcus in our present star date it's 22 no, not in song I will add
1: so technically you would have so caught this really... regardless of regardless yeah, he of he give a fuck whoa <laughs> sorry I'm
0: just kidding
1: he was being very flirtatious about that, that information that he was giving so
0: flirty he was
1: really close to her flirty he was, yeah he was uh, I. it felt like he was going to kiss her while giving her the information oh. <laughs> 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 Shannon I'm sorry
0: I just inappropriately licked my mic. Um, Anyway, Carol Marcus uh, is a scientist on Starbase One, and we learn in The Wrath of Khan, the movie, which takes place in 2285, about 25 years after what we just watched, um, she has a son with Kirk. And specifically, she asks Kirk not to be in his life at all, because all he does is run around and play Starfleet and she's not interested in either a chasing him around the galaxy or b trying to explain to their son why he's never around. So she actually makes the decision to be like, just don't fucking talk to us. So that's an interesting little bit of information about Carol Marcus. Something I specifically looked up for you because in passing Matias was like, there's only 200 people on the enterprise. Mm -hmm. That seems like a low number of people on the enterprise um, I think typically we're closer to four to five hundred people on starships like this, Federation starships. Sure. However, in the Cage, the episode from the original series where we meet Pike specifically, um, he mentions that he's tired of being responsible for two hundred and three lives. Sure. So I think this is a nod to that. Well,
1: I also looked it up because I was like curious about what the dimensions are of the ship, Cute. like in in all. Because uh-huh. the reason why I perked up about this is like. Let's be reasonable. The Enterprise looks pretty big. Um, But I found out that, especially in terms of like the original series Enterprise, it is actually about the same length as an aircraft carrier. And that includes the, what, the nacelles, the warp, the engines, I guess, you know? Um, So those clearly don't house people. Everyone's in the dish, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so the dish is... Somewhat smaller, you know, that said, an aircraft carrier, which I was stationed on, has like a personnel of like upwards of four to five thousand. <laughs> so that's why I was like, the ship looks significantly bigger. Granted, it is actually smaller. I guess like a typical like two to four hundred crew thing would be more of like a battleship or like a smaller vessel, you know, Um there is. uh So there's a lot less people running around on the enterprise. And I thought, granted that dish, I guess is not as big as maybe I, I, I thought it was. Maybe. There's probably like a lot of empty space there. So who knows? And again, in a utopian space um, uh, that like you don't need as many people. There's like a lot of automated stuff, you know, it also explains why, uh, no one is ever around when the main cast is walking around the hallways. Uh, um, Two hundred is is fine. Uh, granted, if uh, what's led me to be believed of of what I know of red shirts, if they're losing so many people that many weeks, that's a huge percentage of your crew going like every <laughs> every time. So like, it's not quite as <laughs> insignificant as I thought it was. So there's a whole lot of things that like I'm just like learning. I guess here in this lore loft about like the, um, like it changes my perception of things. Cause again, I'm thinking that the enterprise, especially if you're going to be gone for like a five year deployment, like only 200 people, like rumors are going to get around a lot quicker. There's like a halt like, like you're going to get sick of a lot of these people, like being around, like nothing's going to change, you know, like I feel like having like a bigger crew at least helps with like a little bit of variety there, Mm -hmm. you know? Um um I feel like I can't be unless I'm exaggerating my numbers I could have sworn that we had like 5000 personnel but like maybe I'm wrong maybe we only had like it's also like 200 safety. I can't <laughs> I can't I can't I can't imagine just let, I don't maybe I'm wrong uh, but like I feel like we do have like a lot more on aircraft carriers it's like a lot of people that it takes to run yeah um different elements in different departments granted that's a vessel of war and also, the ship is getting. I well, I did look it up. It is actually like the 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 Enterprise has like a tenth of the crew of like an aircraft carrier. Okay, and the new aircraft carrier is definitely going to be bigger. Uh, the super carrier that's going to bear the Enterprise name in twenty twenty
0: five
1: is going to be a, a much bigger aircraft carrier, a super car- carrier, I believe. Um, the crew is still going to be like ten times as large, so not. Much larger than it is now, mm-hmm. um, but at least a little bit larger. So, just yeah, interesting, interesting to think about that the enterprise is really running around with only two hundred people. That's that feels like not a not a lot, right? You know. Um, so yeah, I well, I'm just gonna keep that in the back of my mind as we move forward, <laughs> and, and and remember and remember that. So. Um, maybe I'll start counting like deaths or something because if we start losing people and not seeing like how, what is the actual turnover rate? Cause that's a bad, that's a bad percentage, there. <laughs> you know? Um, I so, yeah. love
0: that. So anything
1: much. else in the lore loft,
0: I have one more. So there's a woman at the helm by Ortega's. That we see and has mostly been like We've seen her before featured background essentially, but she gets a little singing line in this episode. Mm-hmm. She, I'm going to show a picture here. Sorry for everyone that's audio only. Watch this on YouTube. She reminds me of this woman.
1: You're showing it to no one though.
0: I'm showing it to you. Hold on, I'll show it to the camera. I want you to look first, and then I'll uh-huh. show it to the camera. So I saw you looking. This up. is nope. Yeah, you, you, can't just, see. you just you okay, it's fine. Um, this woman. Zoom in on this, Matias. Um this is this is Helmsman Sato from The Grissom. The reason I like her is because she's a descendant of um, Hoshi from Star Trek Enterprise, that show that I like that nobody else seems to like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the time I'm not sure that the timeline makes sense, so I can't say for certain that it is. I also don't want to seem like race blind and be like, oh, I saw an Asian presenting woman at the helm and I conflated her with another Asian presenting woman at the helm. Um, But I think it would be really cool if that's the same person. If it's true, then it would be Rebecca Sato, which would be super, super, super awesome. Because again, there's another nod to Star Trek Enterprise, which I'm enjoying, you know, the more... The more we integrate that into true canon, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck everyone that didn't like that show because it was a good show with good characters. So that's my little operating head canon. I'm hoping that that holds some water. And I love that we got the original series theme song right at the end of the episode. I would argue that that made me more emotional than some of the actual musical numbers. Um... Also, I don't I feel like they didn't put this much thought into it. I feel like it's probably more fan service than anything. But I'm like, does that mean that song like exists in the canon of Star Trek? Or was that just given to me like as a gift? Because that song like comes out of the rift as it's closing. You know what I mean? So I just wasn't sure if, if there's anything to be said there. Probably not. But it was a delight to hear it nonetheless. To hear just that original music and see Pike smiling and on giving hugs and Spock being sad. Yeah. So that was, that was great. And I think those are all my, those are all my little notes Mm -hmm. in the lore loft.
1: Well, I think as we look forward to the finale of the episode, um, my guess is that now that we've wrapped up all the relationships that may or may not have happened (laughs) on screen this season, um, uh, we're, I mean, you you did mention this Prime Direct uh, Prime Directive, the priority one, that uh, what's her name is going on the mission that she's going on. Yeah, the, is it priority one? Priority one, one okay, mission. Okay, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that, and I don't know if that's something that they're leading to, but I think clearly we have to, we there, we must because we keep bringing up the time travel episode and every previously on, so we have to wrangle with the fact that like she broke the rule. And he knows she broke the rule. He's like, he sounds like you're going to break a rule, which is, do they, I mean, I know they had a time travel <laughs> episode, time time travel in the lower deck sense. Uh, the, they all know the rules. It's just interesting that they've made rules knowing that this is probably going to happen. <laughs> so he knows that there's a rule being broken. Do they, does he know that like a temporal police basically exist out there? Did she break the rule, Shannon? Did she not? Was she vague enough to kind of not break the rule or are they coming for her in this final episode?
0: Wow, I totally forgot about the ramifications of possibly the temporal war. That's she she broke the rule.
1: It's well, yeah, not but just, She you're was supposed like, to be vague. She was kind of like, like, well, you know, there this guy saw me for who I was, you know. It's kind of like how she I know she said it was him. Right. But she was saying like it almost so vaguely, like it almost is like it was more about like how she felt about certain things and like someone seeing her. It could have been about anyone if she hadn't, I guess. Specifically. Had she not said
0: you? <laughs> Had she not specifically. specifically
1: said like I knew you in another time and done whatever. And, like,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she yeah, like I whole... don't,
1: I yeah. So I mean, you know, oh, so are they coming for her? I,
0: you know, I was so focused on the Gorn. I think it just depends on where they want to go. That's really interesting. If we start to tie the temporal war in, that's another nod to Enterprise, which would make me very happy because we haven't talked about the temporal war or temporal agents since Enterprise. So if that's a big talking point, great. Well,
1: we have to get rid of Lawn sometime. No. <laughs> I mean maybe Take not maybe not next season, but before the original series. Oh
0: yeah, no, you're you right. You know no. what I'm saying? Like
1: there he's, he's he, Kirk's not in love with Lon. No. Uh he also like maybe only has a vague memory of a Nunian sing before Khan comes around, right? Like besides the fact that like everyone knows who Khan is. But like he doesn't mention her like in passing. Uh so This happens with any prequel. I don't know why you're just now like realizing this. Like you typically have to (laughs) write out certain characters that didn't exist during the original. Whenever you talk about prequels and stuff or at least figure out like where they were, um, uh, send them off in the sunset, so to speak, in a way that makes sense. And why not get her wrapped up into a temporal war because she's already been there? And then where does that lead her to maybe a future with Kirk, but like not like that we haven't seen or, Mm -hmm. or, or, and maybe a timeline or something or maybe, you know what I'm saying? So there, that could be something that would happen. But also like, we're not going to introduce this thing in the third episode and then not bring it back by the right. end of the season. You're right. I think we're going to I think we're in for some time travel shenanigans probably. Um, Or Ooh. they're just going to wrap it up and be like, okay, well, you were naughty once, but don't do it again. Don't do it again.
0: <laughs> uh, they kill her. And that's why she's not in the original <laughs> series. She's dead now. I'm
1: assuming we have her for at least like several more seasons. Like she's not going away. She's but a at some point you have to set up like, well, what actually is going to happen with right. the person who bears the con name? And then, you know, You're like right. also could possibly was in love with Kirk and he eventually takes over the enterprise. Like you can't you can't just be like, oh yeah, no, she's stationed somewhere else. That's you're right. Something you're right has to happen with that, you know? Fuck. <laughs> I'm not a writer, so I don't know. Yes, um, you are that's the joke. Uh, so that that's is, the joke. That is our uh talk and long-winded discussion of uh episode nine, season two. Subspace Rhapsody, Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. How many titles can I fit into there? Shannon apparently didn't get to talk about it enough because she wanted to do more. And Not much more. So uh, uh, she, you wanted to go song by song. Just to see and- <laughs> if there were any emotional
0: beats that we missed. Nothing crazy, I um,
1: promise. Uh, uh, it was all about emotion, Shannon. Clearly there was like emotional beats we missed and songs about emotion, Shannon. Hey you. <laughs> um but if you feel like we did miss some emotional beats, if you would love to talk more about and break down these songs with Shannon, you can do so by getting into the comments. <laughs> uh on the YouTube channel. You can also uh uh again listen to this on uh wherever you get your podcasts, and you can email us at codependentcontent at gmail.com if you are at all interested. We also again record this live every week on our discord channel, vulgarian order uh, where we have a bunch of channels set up specifically for you to be able to ping us and uh, challenge us and raise your own questions and concerns about how we talk about things uh, or just engage with us as usual, or you can water a tree as Shannon. So that's my favorite. Wanted to remind you the utopian future that we are hoping for is that you can water a tree on a discord channel, but yeah, go there and talk with Shannon about uh, the songs (laughs) and the emotional course that you missed. And then next week is our finale. And, and then we will hopefully have some, We, we should have done it this week, but I didn't realize, because again, we had two episodes that were like in one. I didn't realize that we were rushing. So So we should figure out what we're going to talk about next, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you have any thoughts or questions or, or feelings about what we should be embarking on next, what journey should we go on? Especially when I don't know what shows are coming out now, we're (laughs) hitting the end of our summer kind of. Show things, and mm-hmm. then we're into possible like rider Strike other thing territory. Yeah. Maybe there's a show that we haven't been talking about that we missed that we can just wrap up. I don't know. Um, uh, just let us know. And next week, we're going to talk about the finale, and then that's the end of this season of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, Shannon's sad, but are you? Are you going to join me or are you going to put it off so that it never happens?
0: <laughs> I'm going to look my fate in the eye and I'm going to join you next week for our final discussion.
1: Great. Well, I will be here next week as well. Okay. And I hope you will too. Catch you then.